0: Warning, this podcast should not be downloaded using government equipment, listened to during duty time, or sent to others using government equipment, because this podcast has the potential to suggest actions to be taken in support or against legislation. Do not use your government email address or government phone in contacting your lawmakers. Hello and welcome to the AFGE Young Podcast. My name is Mitchell Word, and I am joined today by my co-host, Matthew Uchecker. Today, we are joined by Grant Schott, National Legislative Political Organizer, and Gilbert Gollum, the Young Coordinator for District 12, and today we'll be discussing a new generation of politics. To get things started, how are you guys
1: doing? Oh, man. Good. What you Yeah, I'm doing great. Need more sleep.
0: Oh, we always need more sleep, right? (laughs) Yes. So how are things out in California, Gil?
1: It's sunny, bright, and the allergies are hitting me hard. It's like a truck. Oh, nice.
0: <laughs> about in uh, Oregon, right, Grant?
2: Yeah, Portland, Oregon. Yesterday it was it was 60, and uh, you know, people I hear people talking about their the Super Bowl picnics and everything. Today it's back back to more normal drizzle, which it should be this time of year.
0: Nice, nice. How are things out in the New England area, Matt? Not New England, Pittsburgh. Oh, oh my bad. I thought that was part of New England. I'm sorry. No, Mid Atlantic.
3: East coast is all the same. Come on, yeah. Well, woke up today to a nice little snowstorm, but other than that, we're
0: good. Oh, that's good. Thankfully, in Denver, we don't currently have much snow, but allegedly it's coming in the next couple days. So, not very excited about that. But it is what it is. What are you going to do? Um. So just to, you know, kick things off here today, we're going to be talking about a new generation of politics, which, you know, Gilbert and Grant, you guys are both, I think, the most knowledgeable people that I know in this topic. So um, let's just get a little bit, dig, like, jump right into it. So why is AFGE involved in politics, Grant? Grant.
2: Yeah, well, <laughs> we have... A lot of members, of course, almost three hundred thousand, but we need more activists at all levels, including uh, political activists, to flex our, our, our muscle and raise our voice. Uh, federal all unions are affected by by Congress, but federal employees, of course, more directly by the decisions on Capitol Hill uh, in terms of staff and pay, benefits, labor rights, etc. You know, just look at the those horrible executive orders of 2018, and those were devastating to our union and could have really you know, ruined us if they'd gone on another four years. And I think you could argue members of Congress and the executive branch are like the board of directors for us, so we must lobby them constantly and support our allies.
0: Okay. Yeah, the way that I usually try to explain it to people is you know we we work for the federal government therefore members of Congress and the president are our bosses and so we yep. need to you know be reaching out to them letting them know what's going on in our workplaces because otherwise they wouldn't know and so that's why it's important for the union to be involved was that
1: yeah uh, I think oh sorry can I is that oh I think I mean we're federal workers and I think people forget that we're like our positions are inherently, political by nature uh, and that we're allowed to express our, our first, our first amendment rights, you know, that, that we have them too.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that, you know, most private sector jobs, you know, you just think about going down the office and going and talking to the big boss, whereas, you know, with us as federal, like our boss is in DC. <laughs> and so we've got to be a little bit more creative in in reaching out to them and letting them know what's going on. Cause otherwise, they may not know.
1: Oh yeah, that's totally right. Or we're each other's bosses (laughs) in this case.
0: Yeah. So I guess the, the next question that, you know, pops up quite a bit is okay. So because, you know, the union, you know, is so involved in politics and stuff like that. And, you know, we're always lobbying for or against candidates or for, for a particular, uh, piece of legislation or something like that. Does that mean that AFGE also affiliates itself with a particular political party?
1: AFG is nonpartisan. Uh, that's like the greatest misconception. The greatest misconception about AFGE is that we align with some, with some certain party. Uh, everybody thinks that we align with Democrats because naturally, because we're a we're a union, and for some reason, unions have been. Associated with but uh, Democrats, and that's totally not true. Unions have always been involved in both parties, has supported both parties, and AFGE uh, will campaign for all, any candidate that has our that supports our issues. I, mean, I know I've done it. It doesn't matter what's, it doesn't matter w- what party title is in front of their name. Guilty.
0: Grant, do you have anything to add on to that, or? <laughs>
2: Yeah, we, you know, we focus on AFG voting records. And you go to the take action section of our website, and you can you can see those. Uh, we've seen the majority control of Congress go back and forth a number of times since 1980. And so it's important to have allies on, on both sides, you know, bipartisanship has become tougher in recent decades. Um, it, you know, historically. Just objectively, you know, going back to the 30s, you know, Democrats have been seen as the Labor Party. Um, and it's, you know, I think in the 80s, Oregon actually had, here we are, a blue state, but we had two Republican US senators for years, Mark Hatfield and Bob Packwood, who were, you know, fairly, you know, they were probably 50% pro-labor. Um, total trivia, but when Ronald Reagan ran and, and lost in 1876 against Ford. He announced if he if he won his his vice president would be the senator from Pennsylvania named Schweiker, Republican who actually had one hundred percent pro labor um, AFL CIO record. Now this day and age there's there's not that many um, if you know if that breed, but to look at a state like Alaska, Alaska is one of the more pro union states. Alaska is about twenty percent union density only. Really? Yeah, there's only maybe five states like that, and and. Mm. Today I learned. Yeah, they're, but it's it's they almost always vote Republican. Have since 1980, going back to the environmental, uh, big environmental bill President Carter pushed that you know created wilderness up 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 north. So a lot of a lot of the working class folks became Republicans. But because they do have that density, uh, their their senators and and congressmen tend to be fairly uh, pro union. They they have seniority, and so like two years ago, uh, the AFL-CIO endorsed the Democrat Al Gross, who lost to Senator Sullivan. We we remain neutral though. Um, you know Sullivan's high up on the uh, Armed Services Committee, and um, so you know in a state like that, we 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 work with those. We you know try to support pro labor Republicans when we can. Um, Seattle, there was a Congressman Dave Dave Reichert he he retired a few years ago. He'd been a police officer, and the law enforcement officers really liked him. So we always supported Congressman Reichert. Uh, so we certainly do do when we can. But we look at, at voting records, and and you know there is is a disparity between the two parties. Oftentimes, not always, but we try yeah. to be fair. So I,
0: something that just you know popped a question in my head was. Um, you know, AFGE chooses to endorse um, candidates when they're running for office and stuff like that. Is there a, a process that AFGE follows um, to, to, to decide who we're gonna endorse and stuff
2: like that? Yeah, and I'd actually put that, um, some of those notes in, in the next question, but it's, it's fitting now too. Um, <clears throat> we do have a questionnaire. We, we invite candidates to fill it out my view is it's clearly it's far easier to to support incumbents based on their voting record. Some unions um, try to get out ahead, and and like when SEIU and AFSCME endorsed Howard Dean, I remember back in two thousand three and four. Dean was not the best candidate on labor, probably Gephardt and Some others were, but he was ahead, so they you know it's like they jumped on that bandwagon. Um, so it's, it's tough to, especially in in open braces for primaries, I think it's tough to make an endorsement when, when most people aren't familiar with the candidates. Um, but we do, we do have that questionnaire. My view is like early on and here we are early in 2022, I like to wait at first to see who proactively sends them in, like in the new, new seat congressional district right now in North Uh, Colorado the eighth Oregon has a new one there's competitive primaries one candidate in each in each race there has submitted a questionnaire and so that's that's telling now to be fair you know we need to get the the questionnaires out to to other candidates too Um, but again it's tough like in this oh in Oregon for the sixth uh, the new sixth cd there's and you know, right now there's probably seven Democrats, four Republicans, so it's it's very hard to um, you know to pick a to pick a candidate early on. I, I think it's best to wait until after the primaries, um, unless there's someone who who really stands out. Like you know, two years ago in Montana, again looking back, so we're not not being partisan here, but Governor Governor Bullock, uh, the Democrat, was someone we had we had supported before. Uh, we knew he was with us so that was an easy pick in that state but in some of these open uh, you know new seats or open seats it's it's tough but we still should uh, get our our questionnaires out to the candidates and it helps educate them on on labor issues on our issues on federal issues and then like two years ago there was a open seat denny heck retired in washington state and so i reached out to officers and, and members to you know, let them know who had filled out our questionnaire. Um, let them know where they where they stood on labor, and urged urged our members to be active on those uh, campaigns for their your favorite candidate. Gotcha.
1: I, I was I was going to say on the local side. Uh, uh, there's also the we participate with our CLCs, our Central Labor Councils, and Cope. Uh, was it? What is the acronym for that? It's the Co- Committee on Political Elections. Is that what political
2: education? Called? I think
1: political education. And if anybody has ever been to a cope like endorsement meeting with a candidate or interview, uh, I would say please attend those. Those are so fun to be at. Can I say a story about my last cope meeting? Because we were trying to figure out. I have a story about like when our local was trying to figure out endorsement for uh one of the districts that we have one of the congressional districts but there was this uh particular candidate that was running against somebody that you know we don't like uh and she came to the coat meeting and everything was going fine she was a great candidate entrepreneur she worked in tech until someone had brought up her her past tweets about labor uh it was basically she saw a bunch of like union workers that were striking and she made a pretty obscene tweet about how she thinks that they don't, she was wondering why they deserve the things that they were asking for. So someone laid those tweets out and her face turned white. Her soul came out of her. Like, and she, all of a sudden, like everybody was asking questions about like, do you really support unions? What is this? What does this tweet say about you? She, she was trying to play damage control. And at that time, uh, our local was going to endorse her until that, that came up. And we were, at co-meetings, you're, you're talking with other unions too. So we, like, we I mean, we collaborate with the um, postal worker. What's the postal workers union? Not, not the letter carriers. Uh,
2: APWU.
1: APW. Yeah. We have friends at APW and we were talking with them hmm. and they were like, I don't think we're going to, they're like, I don't think we're going to endorse her. And then we sided with them and we're like, all right, we, I, we totally agree. She's not good for federal workers. And she ultimately didn't get that endorsement from either of us.
0: So it's super important to be vetting up, vetting these candidates.
1: Yeah, you should do it locally. You should be doing these things.
2: And I would add, I'm glad you brought up Gilbert though. AFL CIO and the in the labor councils too. It's like in Oregon, the AFL CIO or State Fed, as we have to call them, they do the statewide endorsements and congressional districts, and then labor councils tend to do, and they might do legislative races too. Labor councils tend to do local yeah. races. So yeah, we should affiliate, uh, you know, work with them, follow their process. In fact, last week I called the the Colorado AFL CIO uh, political director, and we talked back and forth. They're they're finishing up their questionnaire. So it is good for us to be a part of that process. Now we don't, I think sometimes our, our endorsement is implied with theirs, but, but not always. Um, in the Washington yeah. state race two years ago on this you know, CD 10 uh, labor endorsed a, a candidate who had not completed our questionnaire. The other two had, and one of them, the third place winner, had a lot of labor support. And, and I thought they made a mistake in, in making that endorsement. Washington mm-hmm. has as the blanket top two primary, California does too. So it ended up two Democrats in the general and the, the winner, Marilyn Strickland. I mean, it was clear to me she was going to win. She wanted our endorsement. It just, um, it, it would have been hard to endorse any of them really. But we did not endorse, um, we remained neutral. We did not endorse Beth Doglio, who the state fed had, which which I think was uh, you know, the correct decision, I mean, in part because Marilyn Strickland won. But again, the Doglio had not completed our questionnaire. Um, and I actually sent it to her campaign, and, and we did not receive it. So, and again, the other two did. So in that case, we did not go along with the AFL-CIO endorsement.
0: So just for anybody that may or may not be aware, so there's the AFL-CIO, which is kind of like a a big umbrella, you know, union. They they represent a whole bunch of different areas, privates, you know, states, uh, federal, I mean, all kinds of different organizations. And the AFGE is affiliated with the AFL-CIO. And so the AFL-CIO may choose to endorse somebody, but then it's up to the, I guess, constituent uh, unions. I don't know if that would be the right words. Um, to then also make the decision if they're going to go along with that or you know to choose somebody else, um, and also I was going to point out um, in case anybody's not aware, this is a, a federal you know thing, and so we love our acronyms, um, and so Grant <laughs> threw out a, a an acronym there that I wanted to make sure that everybody knew what it meant. So he said CD ten, um, CD stands for Congressional District. For anyone that doesn't know what that is, thank you. So, <laughs> um, but anyways, okay. So, uh, Matt, did you have anything to add or, or question?
3: Uh, you kind of just touched on it because I was just going to say that, uh, you know, since AFGE falls kind of under that AFGE, I mean, the AFL-CIO umbrella and uh, I'm going to call it the union multiverse, if you will. Like, do, does <laughs> AFGE, <laughs> you like that, Gil? <laughs> Um Does AFGE ever yeah. kind of like... Uh, look at anybody else that falls under AFL-CIO and and make their decisions politically, like the political decisions, do they take into consideration like the other, like, I'm, I'm sure like, I can't even remember all the ones that fall under because it's like 50 some unions that fall under AFL-CIO, but do they, do they take cues, I guess you can say?
2: Yeah, well, they, you know, and I haven't, I've been to AFL-CIO conventions before. And then like in a Washington state last year, they had a, they had a political meeting and they do have the the member delegates from, from their affiliate unions who, who make those decisions. Trouble is sometimes it's, you know, it's, it's with anything, whoever shows up. So you might have a relatively small, uh, small group making this decision. And again, two years ago, um, with this Washington state one, they had at one point they were going to make this dual endorsement of, of these two candidates, Beth Doglio and and uh, Kristen Reeves, both both legislators, both with strong labor records. And and they ended up picking Doglio narrowly. And, you know, I'm not sure why. So it's um, they technically they, you know, they do listen. Again, the AFL CIO is made up of, of, of all these unions who send delegates. but You might have a, a relatively small sampling and then you don't know why they made that decision. I remember years ago in Oregon, one time a, a pro-labor firefighter legislator who was clearly the best labor candidate did not get endorsed and a, a rep for UFCW did. Uh, no one knew who he was, but you know he showed up at the convention, stayed start to finish campaign, so he got the endorsement, but it, it really wasn't, I didn't think it was at all wise uh, politically. This, this candidate just wasn't credible so I think, yeah. Ultimately, unions I think have to make their their own decisions. Like I said, we have in some cases, like Alaska, two years ago, or Washington, where we remained neutral in, uh, in a couple of those races.
0: Gotcha. So, would you guys mind talking a little bit about you know how AFGE has actually been involved in some politics and uh, you know what impact that's had?
1: they've been in like all areas like lgbtqia rights workplace safety civil rights pay workers rights I mean, We mean can choose any section any of those areas that we can talk we can talk about right now
0: uh do you have any specific type of uh you know examples
1: oh hey we hey let's talk about uh tsa let's talk about uh <laughs> let's talk about our agency mitch okay. <laughs> let's talk about how uh we don't. We get paid, probably. We're probably like some of the lowest paid uh, federal workers in the government, and how we're trying to fix that right now. But in case anybody know, I mean, doesn't know HR nine zero three. Wait, are, am I allowed to say that? Yeah, we can talk about legislation, right? Yeah. Okay. HR nine zero three. Uh, rights for TSA workers. Basically, gives us Title Five rights. That gives us a bunch of labor rights. That. Other federal workers have and uh, gives us pay equity in the uh, federal government. Uh, most people don't know that we get paid very little. All, when I first started lobbying that stuff, legislators didn't even know that we were paid that little. Mm-hmm. They all thought we were. It. I don't want to say it. I don't like to, you know, I don't want to. But, like, it's not, the, it's not. I shouldn't blame Congress people because they have a lot of things on their plate sometimes, but they are. They are truly ignorant of like a lot of our issues and think they they assume a lot of things just because they don't they're not educated in the things that we do. So that's why AFGE should be is like totally involved in these areas to educate them.
0: So this kind of you know circles back to why it's so important for us to be involved with our members of Congress and letting them know what's going on because like you were just saying, Gilbert, there's been so many times that I've gone and sat down in front of a member of Congress or their staff and said, hey, these are the things that are going on at TSA. And these are things that are going on with pay and just fair treatment and all this kind of stuff. And they're like, Oh, wow. Like we had no idea that that was going on. And so, you know, I mean, if TSA is getting that, I can only imagine that mostly every other agency that covers that's covered by AFGE, there's probably things in there that they don't know about as well. So it's so, 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 so important that we're involved in politics and, you know, talking to our members of Congress and make sure that they're educated on these things. Cause like you just said, like there's so many things that members of Congress are focused on, you know, that it's easy for it to slip through the cracks and it's up to us to, to sit down in front of them and say, Hey, we need to pay attention to this.
1: <laughs> yeah. And it's like, the other thing about it is that, you know, the end, the agency may say certain things to our Congress people. Cause you know, our ag- Congress people, they, they hold the power of the purse, but you know, and we have things that we may say that may be at odds with what the agency says, you know. Mm-hmm.
2: And I would, uh, I would again, I would refer folks to the take action page of, on our website. It's um, top, kind of top right, and on that is the the bill tracker of, of bills we support. It also includes action alerts for some of them, and you know we sometimes do. I mean, oftentimes we do support the broader labor community, like Build Back Better, which probably has components that, that affect federal employees, but that's a big issue now, infrastructure that, that we support. Um, we, but again, we focus on ours. We recently, and I won't mention the, the name to be safe here, but we, a lot of our, you know, incumbents who support us, our, our support for them is pretty much ongoing. Sometimes they will request a, a, an endorsement, like a public endorsement press release we did that recently in, in Oregon, and and this per, this member, you know, the AFL-CIO doesn't like him based on some bills, but he has a 90% with us year after year. So I think we, first and foremost, we have to focus on, on our issues, on federal issues, but yeah, we do. Again, we do work with AFL on Build Back Better. It's good to, you know, support other unions on their actions. Jobs with Justice is an organization active in Portland that sends out alerts to their volunteers and, and then we will show up at, at actions. Like last year, we had the Nabisco strike here in Portland and I think it was national at maybe five locations. And one day there were, I think three of us from AFGE on the picket line uh, supporting those Nabisco workers, uh, Kroger, Kroger stores had a strike in Portland. And I think elsewhere in Portland, it was one day right before the holidays last year. And a few of us were out there, and those actions—they're fun. They get lots of press, so it's good to be out there wearing our colors and supporting those other unions.
1: Oh, there's nothing like a good strike action. Like, we're oh, in case the uh, in case the listeners don't know, federal workers—it's illegal for us to strike. So, every chance I get it, every chance I get to do it with another union, I'll I'll show up when I can.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, that's definitely uh, a a. Uh... Sad situation that we're not allowed to strike. <laughs> yeah. Um, just another example of something that, you know, that I've done with AFGE is back whenever we had the government shutdown in the beginning part of 2018, I believe that was, uh, when we were shut down for, gosh, what was it, like 38 days or something like that? Oh, God. Um, we organized a uh, just a, a rally out at Denver International Airport. And stood out there. We had our signs, and we were handing out flyers, and just you know, trying to inform passengers and just whoever it was that walked by, saying, "Hey, like, we're not getting paid right now. Just so y'all know, like, we're out here working, and we're not getting paid. Um, and so we need to end this shutdown and get things you know figured out, and so you know, get our people paid, you know, the way that they deserve to be. And um, it was it was really kind of neat. So, you know, we had um, our uh, our now ex national organizer. Um, out there, we had, um, just a, a, uh, a national organizer showed up as well. Um, several of our members, um, and myself, I mean, we were just out there making a showing and doing that rally and, you know, really trying to, you know, get the word out there. And so that's just yet another example of ways that we as members can get out in front of the public and say, Hey, these are things that are going on. Like, you know, we, as, you know, just general citizens, you know, need to be taking action as well and and you know, do what we got to do also during that government shutdown i met up uh and uh, with several of our members of congress um, here in colorado and we did a like a press conference of sorts um members of congress you know stood up and they gave their speeches and everything against you know the shutdown and trying to get it stopped and everything and then afterwards they had several different unions and some of their members um, they had they did little interview snippets and uh I actually was on tv i was pretty excited about that i was like i'm a star yeah <laughs> um and so it's just really neat being able to show up to those things and get involved and you know make sure that our voices are heard as well and to show that solidarity um with our you know fellow or our uh our members of congress that you know support us um, i'm sure there's so many yeah. examples of like that that you guys could give
2: yeah, we had a lot of great actions here. And during the shutdown, members of Congress were helped us with press conferences, jobs with justice, and, and we need more, more action. I mean, our union needs to be more active. We, people need to have, you know, make sure their home email is on file. And look at emails. We, you know, we have actions, we need to leaflet, leaflet break rooms. Um, It's, it's tough. And I think some people overreact to the Hatch Act, but you know, with the Hatch Act, you can still Pretty much do anything off off site um, in a you know a rally. Of course, if you're TSO, you can't can't wear your uniform. But uh, you know, as long as it's off off site, off the clock, um, personal property, you can you can be active. And we just go uh, out
0: there wearing that blue and gold and represent.
2: <laughs> yeah, but we need to build that that network. Social media. I mean, there's some. Some locals I know have, have Facebook pages, but they might only post once or twice a year. And, and that communications piece is, is key. And that's that's something legislative political coordinators can help with. And it's, it's so important for everyone. And I think that's one of the titles you have, mentioned. and, and um, every local. Some locals don't have them or they only have one, but you can have more than one. I mean, someone might focus more on legislation, some more on politics or rallies and... You know, a lot of these locals cover, well, like, 1127, yours, Mitchell, like that covers, you know, most of District 11. Um, Even a VA in a a city like Seattle, people are going to live in probably four or five different congressional districts. So you can have an LPC per congressional district. So that that activist network and, and communications network, we really need to always ramp up.
0: Absolutely. Something that I always try to encourage people, and I've even done it within my local, is... Um, like like you said i live in colorado which we have seven and well actually we're about to have eight <laughs> congressional districts and so what i always tell people is like if you cover an entire state or multiple congressional districts like that have a minimum <laughs> of one legislative political organizer per congressional district um, because we've found that whenever you're going a meeting with your member of congress they usually want to hear someone that's within their congressional district someone that they represent mm-hmm. that, that, totally that they true. represent. And so if you can have, you know, a, you can have a showing of union members show up to a meeting, which is fine and great, you know, have that showing, but then make sure that that person actually sits in their congressional district also has the opportunity to speak Say, Hey, you know, I sit in your congressional district. I have the mm-hmm. ability to vote for or against you. And you know, this is what you know, is going on. Um, and so that's something that i would highly encourage anybody is that if you're ever looking for legislative political coordinators make sure you have a minimum of one person in every congressional district that you represent
2: and you probably got that email i sent i think i sent it yesterday mitch the congresswoman you know, diana gets having a, a labor town hall in denver this week and so i emailed the denver locals and the uh, you know the lp and then lpc and if if one of them and on our, on our, my AFG database, which for you, it's my local, you know, we can see which, which congressional district members reside in. So I would say, mm-hmm. um, like I'd CC maybe two LPCs and point out, you know, like one of you that looks like is an actual constituent of hers. So, but yeah, that's always something good to mention when you're talking to the member or the staff.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And a lot, a lot of uh, legislators aides when they, when you contact them for meetings, they'll often ask if someone, like a, if you make a, an office visit, a lot of them ask if a constituent is coming, mm-hmm. and they, they place, yeah, you can tell like how much, they place, I mean how much of an importance they place on that kind of yeah. stuff.
2: Absolutely. I actually got a call from Congressman Blumenauer's office a couple of weeks ago, and we, you know, we have a lot of multi-state locals like like eleven twenty-seven TSA, but like Social Security. Uh, so district 11 s2 one one covers four states on the west side another one four states on the east side and someone from uh seattle area who you know also covers portland and made a a, a meeting request and so congressman bloom and our staff just want to confirm that they're you know they have portland constituents and and i said yeah they do and then one of the officers actually lives in in portland so i told the staff that and then i called this lpc and and urged him to include that that portland resident on that meeting
0: yeah so so important to have that um i wouldn't say that they don't you know they don't listen to you whenever you're not a constituent but i think it just holds more weight if they do have a constituent there yeah um, that would be an an observation that i've made (laughs)
3: So I have a, a question that I think maybe we should have asked early. <laughs> um, w- uh, for, for those that are listening, uh, LPO stands for Legislative and Political Organizer. So Grant, could you tell us exactly what a LPO does and how somebody might be able to reach out to you if they need you?
2: Sure. So we're <laughs> if you go to the, the website and there's several... Areas to take action page will will show that. And I think there's another one too on the national office. Uh, it will say contact you know your your LPO and it has all of us listed. And we right now we have about one per uh, district. We're we just uh, Dave Shagley he covered um, oh he's from from Ohio uh, so he just he just retired um, that's district seven. Um, another longtime time uh, LPO is from, from five Yolanda's is, is probably going to retire soon. Um, but there's, I think pretty much there's one, one per district right now. And so, yeah, you look, go to that, take action, take action page um, for me. Like if anyone's a district 11, um, my, my email is S C H O T G at afge.org. We, so like I mentioned in terms, of, uh, in terms of lobbying, you know, I just mentioned like this DeGette meeting. So lots of times, like for the legislative uh, conference, a lot of members will, will, and locals will make their own uh, meeting requests. Um, sometimes I do assist with that, uh, like what I did with the Western Washington uh, VAs last year. They did not have official time still. They were Zoom meetings, so I, I helped coordinate those meetings. Uh, with the senators and about five U.S. reps from, from Washington and set in on most of those. Like with this DeGette meeting, Congresswoman DeGette uh, got the notice from the Colorado AFL-CIO. So I, I distributed that to the locals in the Denver area um, over the weekend. I sent that out. I'll probably do text just to make sure they saw it, make sure they RSVP. Um, so that's a lot of it. I, it's kind of a lot of what we do is, is connecting our members and activists with congressional offices. Uh, I maintain a, a database of, of staff, like schedulers and other, which you know is quite a bit of turnover. And, and I, you know, make sure a lot of locals have that on their own. But I'm I'm always happy to you know share that information, put people in touch with um, with the offices. Again, sometimes we get requests. Like during the shutdown, a lot of a lot of congressional staff called us, and and we helped. Uh, you know, set up the meetings, the press conferences. We work closely with members of Congress, like uh, Congresswoman Bonamici and Schrader and Blumenauer in Portland. I worked a lot with her staffs in setting up these, these press conferences and other actions. Um, a lot of it, well, some some of it we can't can't discuss here. The, uh, the you know, the campaign, political campaign component's very important. That's something we do a, a lot of to assist these candidates. It's, again, I would go to the, refer to the take action section and when you click on that um, there'll be go down to the number three item which which I can't discuss but that's a that's a very important one um, these members are always you know they need to get reelected and and we need to help our, our allies with that so that's a big piece of what we do during election years again we've got a lot of the contact with with campaigns getting them Again, getting the questionnaires, receiving them, um, like like Gail referred to, working with AFL-CIO on, on their endorsement process. Um, and then in the fall, like we're, we work with, with candidates' um, campaigns. We might, like the last two cycles, I've, I've actually done it from first last time we did it virtually. 2018, we had a, a competitive race just across the river in Vancouver. So I worked with the, state fed there on that race. Um, some of our members, we try to get them to be active. We recruit volunteers. We have the, uh, kind of some unions call it lost time or release staff where sometimes people take time off the job to go uh, support our, our candidates. So a lot of that activity really ramps up on, on election years. Um, a lot of what I do is, is communications. Like if there's a one of our meetings, but sometimes if a, if a member has a, a town hall like this, Diane to get meeting coming up again, I try to let uh, the officers know. And I email, but I, you know, lots of times I text. That's something I've observed. A lot of people do not look at their, their emails and, and I can't, with what what I, what we do, we can't email their work emails. So I send, um, you know, send to home emails, but I know some people just don't look at them or not regularly. So I I typically text to database uh, updates and we have sign-in sheets. When I find the time, I try to make sure those emails are, are entered in my AFGE. We're missing a lot of home emails, a lot of bad ones. Um, You know, we send out those emails and text alerts, but it doesn't help when, you know, when 20% of our members might not have, have given us a home email or or cell phone. Um, so yeah, it's I, I work a lot with the the locals with the LPCs, uh, legislative political coordinator that we've discussed. We're always trying to recruit more of those. We have the uh, the LPTI program and say, Mitch, have you been through that or Gil? Okay.
1: Oh yeah, LPTI yeah. program. Yeah, a lot of- and that's something I've been through it twice.
0: I enjoyed it that much. Okay.
2: <laughs>
1: I think, I think I'm about to go again. It's been a, it's been a, quite some time since my last LPTI. Yeah. So. And that's,
2: I've, I sat in on one when I, so I'd been an organizer, then I started as a, uh, I went back on the, I started with the TSA campaign back in 2010, 11. And um, I started as a uh, LPO in 2018. I sat in on an LPTI, um, Legislative Political Training Institute with then LPO, Tim Snyder, now VP Snyder, and uh, Shannon Falk, one of my coworkers from. Texas was in Montana. And there were about seven, oh, seven to 10 uh, members there who, who did this one weekend training. And then after the, the budget cuts following the 2018 convention, we're, we're in better shape now, but we were, you know, our, our budget wasn't looking so good then. And so we, we suspended the, the in-person LPTIs. And of course COVID hit. So I haven't, we did a kind of abbreviated one, Ryan Mims and I, Ryan from District 12 down at the Bureau of Prisons Western Council meeting last May.
1: Ryan's my dude. Uh,
2: Shout out to Ryan. Yeah, Ryan Shout Ryan's out to guy. Ryan. He's, uh, I think he's been an LPL now for 10, over 10 years, but more like I think 2009. So we hope to do more LPTIs coming up. And you know, if you know folks who you want to be LPCs who would like to take that course. I mean, we can, some of it can do on, on zoom too, but we hope to have them in person. So yeah, we're always trying to build that uh, LPC activist program.
0: Absolutely. So just to take a little sidestep here. So just to, to maybe just kind of educate a little bit more, cause again, the, another goal of this podcast is that we're, you know, educating, you know, our, our AFGE members as well as just, you know, the general, everybody. Um, We've, we've mentioned a couple of times, like, hey, we can't talk about this, you know, because of, you know, Hatch Act and different things. Grant, do you want to maybe touch just a little bit about what is the Hatch Act and why we can't talk about particular things on this podcast? Yeah.
2: So the, the Hatch Act, you go back to, you know, the, the corruption, like the 1800s, for example, you had the, the machines they did a lot of good stuff, but they were corrupt too. And, and you know, the term patronage. So you're, your political action was tied to your job. And some cities like Chicago maybe still do that or, you know, through the sixties, like Mayor Daley's machine, you, the better, the more you, you recruited and is a, like a precinct captain, the, the more pay you'd get for your job. So this happened some in the, during the great depression. I mean, before that, it was probably worse but during the depression. There was some criticism, that you know, some of the employees like for this, you know, the, Civilian Conservation Corps and whatnot were doing political works. They passed the Hatch Act. It was very restrictive until 92. I think a lot of people were afraid even to, to vote. And they, I mean, they could, feds could vote, federal employees could vote, but they couldn't, they couldn't be active politically, couldn't donate to candidates. So Bill Clinton, I don't know, I think it was a bill. It might have been an executive order. I think it was a bill, though, when he started in 93 that really liberalized it. So you can... You can engage in any political activity, again off off the clock, off public. You know, and make sure it's your personal property. So don't use a, a work cell phone or computer, um, off site and out of uniform. So like with you know with TSOs, of course that's an issue because you're you do wear uniforms. A lot of a lot of people don't, but some you know the law enforcement officers do. So off the clock. Um, and you know, offsite, you can be you can be active. You can attend rallies. You can volunteer. You can donate to candidates. Uh, you can display a bumper sticker on your car, in, in, you know, even at work, you just you can't wear a button to work. But your sticker on your car is okay. Lawn signs. You can pretty much do anything, except you can't run for a, a federal office or partisan office. You can you can run for nonpartisan office, like a school board. And you can't co-sponsor or you can't um, co-host a fundraiser, which not that many people do. But if you're really political, you know, so some member of Congress might say, oh, I'm having a a fundraiser uh, targeting labor folks. Can I put your name on the invite list as a co-host? You can't do that. You can go to the fundraiser. You can donate, um, but you you just can't co-host it. Um, So, yeah, we have lots lots of information. Again, that Take Action page I referred to um, I'm looking at it right now and I'm pretty sure the Hatch Act is one of the, um, yeah, it's on there, uh, Hatch Act guidance on the, it's the lower right-hand corner once you click on take action. And yeah, we're always happy to send that. There's a, and it shows a PDF of the pocket guide to political activity, which walks you through it. I still have some hard copies I can, I can mail folks too. Nice. And uh, so yeah, we're always happy to share that information.
0: Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, I feel like uh, I've noticed in my dealings with everything that a lot of people don't even know what the Hatch Act is. You're, you know, kind of like you said, they're scared to, you know, do certain things because they don't know if they're allowed to. And I've even actually had someone come up to me and say, yeah, we're federal employees. We can't vote. Like, uh, actually, yeah, you oh can. God, Please go bad. vote. <laughs> you know?
1: Yeah. I I always, uh, I mean, it, when I educate people about the Hatch Act, I just tell them, you know they, Say there are restrictions on our our political activity, but what I always boil it down to, like, you know, if you're gonna give somebody, you know, the absolute bare minimum is that if it's partisan, you can't do it at work. You can't say it, you can't talk about it at work. If it has if it has anything to do with partisan elections. You can do whatever the hell you want outside, except now outside there are caveat caveats caveats? Caveats
0: caveat.
1: <laughs> <laughs> to uh yeah. To fundraising. And that's, and then you can research all the details on, on the AFG website. But if you're talking about partisan elections, big no-no at work.
0: So here on the podcast, I mean, this one, you know, Matthew, myself and Gilbert, we're all currently employed by the federal government. So we are bound by those, you know, those rules, but also this podcast is being distributed to anybody and everybody that wants to listen to it. So we want to make sure we're being respectful. Of our listeners, and also we're protecting our own jobs, <laughs> so um, that is why we're you know kind of sidestepping around certain little things like oh we can't talk about that because of the Hatch Act, and so um,
1: yeah, I, l- I like yeah. eating, so <laughs> I
0: I obey these rules. <laughs> exactly. So just for anybody that may be listening, that's like, why won't they talk about this? That's why. <laughs> so um, again, if you guys ever have any questions about any of this kind of stuff, things that we're not allowed to talk about in this particular uh, setting, um, you're more than welcome to reach out to us um, in private or reach out to Grant, seeing, being that he's not employed by the federal government. Um, he's employed by AFGE um, we can definitely talk to you about that kind of stuff, you know, offline somewhere via email, phone calls, whatever. Um, always welcome to go and visit afge.org. Um, all of our contact information stuff is out there. Um, more than happy to talk to you about that stuff. So, um, we're getting close to being done here. So just real quick. So what warrants AFGE's involvements in a candidacy or a legislation or a particular movement, something to that effect?
2: I would say we we focus on issues that affect our agencies and the broader labor movement. Uh, We are member member driven and, you know, sometimes, oftentimes delegates to the convention, um, sometimes they will usually after the convention, they'll release a a booklet or online of resolutions that pass, and some of them are political in nature. I mean, I remember one that the I think it might have been fifteen. It was boycott Staples, for example. Um, it was it was short lived, but um, you know sometimes there's those kind of broader community actions that um, and that will pass convention or sometimes locals will decide to at you know, their membership meetings to support some some action. So you know we are we are member driven we tend to focus, you know, we should focus primarily on, on federal employee issues. But, uh, you know, again, sometimes we do, we do support the, we try to support the broader labor community movement as well. It's, you know, the trouble is, again, it's hard, it's just, it's hard to get activists, you know, it's, it could be hard enough to get people to open their email and, and or answer a call. I mean, we had a, uh, President Kelly came out recently and MVP Snyder had a, a dinner in Seattle, and it went well. But um, you know, I, I assisted the MVP with uh, He sent a, an email to folks, and I did texts and calls. And you know, some and some people just it's hard to reach even our officers. So we, we need more, we need more activism and communication. And the one thing I thought, Matt, I just your last question. Um, we also have we have an outstanding lobby team on Capitol Hill. Um uh, Julie Tippins who's, who's from Oregon. She she heads the legislative legislative political department now. Um and I and then Amy Lloyd is my supervisor, Kevin Cooper's our political director. I have a really good team there. We are also actually registered lobbyists, I forgot to mention. That's one of the roles of, of LPO. we so like every six months at the end of after June and after December, uh, we fill out a report and like, you know, I so if we've donated to candidates, we have to we have to fill that out along with other lobbyists, and so we do. I mean, typically, i I would say you're you're the lobbyist. I try to facilitate lobbying from our our members. That's primarily the lobbying I do, but you know sometimes
1: community yeah, lobbying exactly. What um, I call but it.
2: then sometimes I will, like I was when I was reaching out to member of Congress offices about the uh, about LechCon, trying to get their their protocols and you know I mentioned a bill a VA bill it has to do with uh, with ex- continuing education more money for that and it was a, a bill it hasn't been real high profile so I mentioned that so that was a case where I I did some you know very minor lobbying just added that in the email um so that is part of our our job description as well
0: mm. okay yeah so it kind of ties in with a, another episode of this podcast that we've done that talks about national convention and you know how all that works and we kind of touched a little bit about it in that episode but um so mem- our members of afge our, our delegates and stuff can actually propose uh, resolutions to say hey we want to support this particular you know union or a movement or whatever and if that piece that resolution passes then that ends up going to our legislative political department and they, you know, then enact that is my understanding. Right.
1: Cool. Yeah. And I think AFG AFG should be doing more of that, like not just sitting on our own Island and uh, for our issues are always first, but we shouldn't be alone on the Island with Mm -hmm. the other unions is, is my take on it. So what I'm
0: hearing you say is that we need to bridge union gaps. (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: Hey, it all ties together. I love it. So, just to, to start wrapping things up here, I'm just going to ask you guys if you have like a one minute little final thought, something that you want to just drive home, something to that effect. Um, I'll start with you, Gilbert.
1: Uh, I know LPTI covers the basics for like political action and stuff like that, but I think, especially for our younger people, I you should be creative you should be if you want to try something don't be afraid to try something and be afraid to fail i try a lot of things on social media try things on outreach and i mean i think i'm just i'm fortunate to have like a local president that's su- that supports a lot of my actions even if i fail awesome grant check out check out my instagram <laughs> gilbert Gollum.
2: yeah i would say remember how bad that <laughs> The uh, you know the executive orders were just just recently I and mean, we lost official time people got thrown thrown off site and we we need more you know we need to build our network sometimes um, we always talk about you know building oh, let's see our some of our past conferences we've had like big enough to win but sometimes it's the you know the same people and granted it's hard to recruit activists but. Sometimes I've observed it doesn't seem like officers want to. They, they want to have the, a relatively small crew and we, we need more activists. And like in the, this political program, you know, LPC, we're talking about broad you know national issues. This, it's not it doesn't need to be a part of internal, uh, internal local divisions or something. It's for the broader AFGE and, and it's again, they're not elected positions, LPCs, legislative political coordinator, um, they're appointed. Even if you don't have the title, you can just effectively be a, an LPC type activist. And again, we need we need way more we need way more activists. We need to build our activist base. Uh, we need we need to remember how how bad you know the, those EOS were, and can't take for granted that we really don't have those now because they could come back in a few years. And we always talk about building, but we need to we need to work harder to build our, our base and that, you know, that LPC program is key. And I know Mitch and I'm sure Gil have been, you're, you're LPC, aren't you, Gil? You're...
1: Yeah, that's how actually I got started with the okay. work. work.
2: So, yeah, we need, we need more of you. We need more legislative political coordinators and, and other activists.
0: Absolutely. Matt,
3: do you have anything to add? Um, I may have been quiet this week, but I'm going to be honest, I'm a novice when it comes to political stuff. I know about politics i don't know how to follow it so this was very eye-opening to me but thank you both for opening my eyes wider to this because i am still a little lost i've gone through lpti Uh, i understand how to follow bills and whatnot but i mean you guys have opened my eyes on how afg participates in this arena
0: absolutely yeah you guys are awesome we truly do appreciate you thank you so much for coming on the podcast today and helping educate Matthew and myself, and also all of our listeners. We really do appreciate it. Um, Thank you to our guests, Grant Schatz, National Legislative Political Organizer, and Gilbert Gollum, the Young Coordinator for District 12. And thank you for listening to the AFGE Young Podcast. New episodes are made available every two weeks and are streamed everywhere you listen to your podcasts. This podcast is a production of the AFGE National Young Committee Bug Bridging Union Gaps Initiative. To learn more about the AFGE Young program, visit our website at www.afge.org young or our Facebook page by searching at young AFGE.